Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Gio and Joey show. Today, we have a special guest today, Bree Small. She is an Instagrammer, a Twitter, YouTube, Rumble. It's Fear Me. It's Bree. I love that handle, by the way. Hello. How are you doing today? Good. Yeah, I came up with that just kind of like I didn't know what to do and I wanted something that wasn't just my name. And then I put that and it's stuck. So <laughs> that's what we are. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Joey, how are you doing today? As always, better than I deserve. Amen, brother. <laughs> Bree is a mother. She's a wife. She's a Christian and a libertarian who started a podcast. And I love the reason why she started this podcast <laughs> to keep people informed and rag on the left. And it's hypocrisy. We can join you on that. Bree, thank you for coming today. Thanks for having me on. Cool. Joey, hit us off, brother. What are we going to talk about today? Yeah, so the reason why I really wanted to have you on is because I saw when you were telling our group chat about your experience testifying in Maine, and I was wondering mm. if you could open up talking about first what was going on in Maine, what were they trying to pass, and then how you got involved in testifying and a little bit about that experience. Yeah, so it's LD1619. It's basically would take us from like, oh, the safe legal rare position to abortion for any and every reason. Mercy. So our governor didn't push things really her first term, Janet Mills. And then her second term has been like, we're going to trans the kids. We're going to abort the babies. We're going to do this. So it's just been kind of psycho. And I'd heard about it through some friends that it was going to be happening at the state house. And I don't think they were expecting as many people as they had. But I ended up having my mother-in-law take my kids and going because I was like, this is ridiculous. We can't have this here because it is it's for babies all the way up through nine months for whatever reason it's not even just like a the rape and incest exceptions it's you don't want to have a baby because money okay there's no place for that here brie how did you find yourself in this position because here in america there are a lot of women who take that position hey mm -hmm. i don't want a baby eight months nine months three weeks whatever i'm going to abort this baby how did you end up in the position where you're fighting and advocating for pro-life? I think a lot of it was I've always grown up in the church and like I've always known like the local pregnancy centers and things like that. So I've always been around pro-life, but I think especially since having kids myself. So I know someone had posted a ways back this meme that said, having been pregnant, I fully understand why women want to have abortions and kind of like a tongue in cheek to be funny, like, haha, I get it. And I just was like, excuse me, but having been pregnant twice, I don't understand why women want to have abortions. Like, I think if there's anything that's eye-opening to the fact that it's a life, it's actually having carried that life. Being a mom, I think, is a huge part of it for me. And you mentioned you grew up in a Christian home. How does that inform your position? Because let's be honest, there are some Christians who still think oh, we should be pro-choice. A lot of it, I think, is because you have that Bible verse, and I can never remember the exact verses, but the unit me together in my mother's womb. Mm -hmm. Like, he wouldn't have said that if it wasn't life. It just makes sense to me. I've grown up around people who support abortion, and I've grown up around people who don't, and just seeing the differences in the family structures as well, often of those kind of people, that's mm -hmm. usually telling. I remember a preacher that I like to listen to used to say, if you think being right with God is hard. If that's your position, look at life without God. It's even harder. Mm. 
And you can see the difference in the joy people possess when they are in the Lord. So specifically going to this court case, how did you specifically get involved in it? Because I know you had a chance to testify. I have a friend who is, she's like 19. I won't say her name just because I don't know if I can, but she runs a chapter for Turning Point USA in Maine. One of the only ones, I think there's like three in the state and one of them might even be inactive. But she started one and ran it and she got involved with Speak Up for Life, which is a huge pro-life organization in Maine. And I think it's run by Laura Libby, who's one of the representatives. She was at the whole event and she was kind of the one that was like spearheading it for us. And she ended up telling me about it. And then I was like, yeah, okay, that's not something that I want in this state. So for sure, I'll go to that. So a lot, there were a lot of teenagers there even because a lot of her chapter members came and testified. There were like, I think there was like a nine-year-old girl at one point that testified. And then there were elderly men testifying. So it was such a huge, diverse thing. It was crazy. It was really cool. Since doing that, has there been any other news on the bill? Has it? Were you guys successful? I was just wondering how that went. Yes and no. So I got a phone call yesterday or the day before that they have 10 days left in the legislative work session. So they were wondering if me and some others could come back, which I have family visiting from out of state. So I'm not sure if I will be able to. But they did a session about a week ago, two weeks ago now, when I inconveniently had the flu. And I was going to go to that because not as a speaking thing, but they wanted to get as many people as they can to stand outside the state house and just be there so that they, they wanted to kind of slyly pass it and think nobody's going to show up and nobody's going to oppose it. They already came last month. Why would they come back? So a whole slew of people went and did that, hundreds of people, and they didn't pass it that day, but they have 10 days left, I guess, in the session. So there's a chance that it can still pass. They've kind of been putting it off. Because I think they're hoping that they can get a day where nobody shows up and nobody opposes it so they can sneak the bill through. They just did the same thing with the trans kids bill that we have going through, where I think today is finally the actual vote on that one. But every time opposition shows up, they keep kind of putting it under the table, if that makes sense. It's funny how those who always cry the loudest about our sacred democracy they don't tend to want democracy to play out. They want to do their stuff in secret. Like one thing I was just going to note on this is I think it's so Mm. important that our listeners like pay attention to what you guys are doing. I want abortion to be outlawed and completely abolished. There's a certain segment of pro-lifers that almost want like an all or nothing approach. Like we need a national ban period. What I think people don't understand is this fight has to be state by state, and it has to be pragmatic. In Maine, you're probably not going to get a bill passed there that's like everything pro-lifers want. But if people like you are able to push to keep bills from being as bad as they could be, that is a pro-life win. And so I just think pro-lifers should take a page from what you guys are doing over there in Maine and uh, seek for the best bill you can possibly get. I know, I think it was Mm -hmm. Bill Buckley who used to say about like, politicians elect the right most electable candidate i'd say for pro-lifers we've got to get the most pro-life bill we can get save as many babies as Mm. we can i agree with that joey and brie as a woman and i'm glad because you're here talking to two men 
from your perspective, how would you want men to get involved? Because usually from the left, it's always about my body, my choice, stay out of it. From your perspective, how could men get involved that respect, obviously, the sanctity of life? How would you like to see men get involved in these issues? Well, what I'd said earlier, too, is the no uterus, no opinion thing just kind of drives me nuts because I think two people make a baby. I think two people should have a say in the matter because you see all these videos of like men outside of Planned Parenthoods and they're saying, hey, I will take the baby. Please don't kill my baby. And you have women being like, eh, I don't want to carry it. And then they'll just walk in. And I think just showing up and showing that they care has changed a lot of women's minds because... I don't remember the exact statistics, but it's known that if a man says, hey, no, we can work through this, we can do this together, a lot of times a woman won't feel so alone and they won't feel like it's their only option because that encouragement sometimes is all it takes. That, and then I think just showing up and being present. So we just had a walk for life where our pregnancy center, our local one, has moved locations and they're building a better building. And what they did is they had a walk for life where literally a ton of us just walked quietly with signs and just showing where we were from very obviously through the downtown area. And there was so many like fathers, brothers, just so many men were present. Our youth group was there, the male youth group leaders. And just showing how much they care, I think is big because what's that saying? Like people don't know, uh, what is it? People don't know how much you care. Do you guys remember it? My brain's not. Yeah. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Putting in that time Mm -hmm. and putting in the passion behind it is super helpful is what I've seen. Yeah. And I like the point you bring out. And I think Joey and I have spoken about this. Men need to learn how to take responsibility. I love you Mm. pointed out it takes two to tango. Joey, speak to this because we have spoken about it, how this rampant abortion Mm. pathos allows men off the hook. As an example, I'm going to mess this up now. I think it was Nebraska, but some state that was debating some legislation, there was a state Democratic senator who wanted to make a point. He wanted to make a point that Republicans only care about controlling women's bodies. He made an amendment that was basically the fatherhood responsibility amendment, which basically said that men were going to be on the hook for 50% of all costs from the moment of conception. And he did this because he wanted to prove, oh, see, all Republicans care about is controlling women's bodies, except that all the Republicans were like, oh, yeah, sure, we'll sign on to that. And then he would, (laughs) after that happened and his stunt didn't work, he withdrew the amendment. So it just, but here's the thing, in reality, I think that's actually good legislation that pro-lifers should take up, right? In other words, yeah, Mm. if we're going to say that life begins at conception, then make both parents accountable from conception. Make it so that the man, if he's a deadbeat or whatever, make it so child support starts at conception. Help with the medical bills. Help with prenatal vitamin costs and all that other stuff. Start it at conception. Fatherhood begins at conception just like motherhood mm. does. The responsibility element is key. Yep. And Bree, in your talking to women about this, have you had an opportunity to counsel or talk to women who have gone through an abortion and now have realized the gravity of their mistake and are pro-life now? Because we see some of that on Twitter, and I've seen you have conversations. I haven't directly talked to the women that I know who have, 
but mm-hmm. I've listened to them speak on it. So a lot of the ones who run our local pregnancy center have had abortions themselves or they've had family members who have, and that was a huge part of their testimony is actually at the hearing was they talked about that and they talked about the moments where either they were in the middle of an abortion and they hit the point where it was too late and they realized what was happening and how traumatizing that was for them because they they had that moment of clarity of like, oh my word, what am I doing? But by then it was too late because the babies were gone. I haven't had the opportunity yet to really one-on-one aside from a Mm -hmm. Twitter conversation Mm -hmm. talk to, but I have listened to the women who are in these positions in these organizations and a lot of them come from that background where they realized, like almost like Abby Johnson, where they realized what it was, they realized it too late, but they came back from that. Mm. That's got to be gut-wrenching because yep. when you get that moment of clarity where you realize exactly what has happened, like you said, there's no turning back. And they seem to carry that, I don't want to say guilt because many of them know there's forgiveness in Christ, but it's something you'll never forget. It's something that will live with mm. you forever. One thing I just wanted to say, if there is any woman watching who may be dealing with the shame of that, I'd like to point to a Bible character, Manassas. Manassas was a terrible king. He literally sacrificed his children to pagan gods. And Mm -hmm. yet the end of his story is that he ends up, he's one of the worst kings and he ends up coming back to God towards the end of his life. And so that's, I just want to say, and the Bible's full of that. So that's where I'd want to extend the gospel here to this story is if you are someone who struggled with an abortion, there's forgiveness. It's not the end of your story. Amen for that. Even Paul. Paul's a good example. Or what did he say? I'm the chief of all sinners. Mm-hmm. And then we saw how he came around. So anybody's, anybody has the opportunity. Just imagine when Stephen gets to heaven. The last thing he <laughs> saw was this young guy, Saul, standing over watching him get be killed. He's so weird. <laughs> and when he gets You're there... Like, He's got all these people that are going to be in heaven because of him. Yeah, so, that's crazy. Bree, not only are you a pro-life advocate, but you're not a Republican per se or Democrat. You're a libertarian. How did you end up yeah. in that position? And what are some of the things that drew you towards that stance? I was a Republican until the 2022 midterm election, mostly a name. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in a conservative Christian household and just... That kind of was like, I voted for the first time in 2018. So that was kind of like, a, oh, right. So my parents are Republicans. So I'm going to do that. Oh, Trump's the nominee. All right, we're mm-hmm. going to go with that. And then I actually <laughs> remember finding out my dad was a Republican and he didn't vote for Trump. And that kind of shocked me in that first election where I was like, whoa, you can be in a party and disagree with the candidate mm-hmm. because he had said in good conscience at that time he couldn't vote for Donald Trump and he didn't vote for Hillary either. So he told me that was the first election that he had never voted in, which was really weird for him. And then 20, gosh, where are we? 2020, I voted for Trump again because it just seemed like, okay, this is the most, this makes sense. This is the path. And then just from 2020 till now, I've started really delving into the whole uniparty thing. Mm-hmm. where I just, I see so much wrong with every party. Like I don't agree with everything either in Libertarian Party, mm-hmm. but it felt, it made the most sense to me. So I align more with the Mises Caucus, which that's a little bit different because I've known Libertarians who look at me and they're like, you're not a Libertarian, you're pro-life. 
And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, I consider that baby's life as an individual mm -hmm. who cannot consent and is not, they don't have a say in this matter. And I see somebody aborting a baby as using their personal liberty as a way to harm somebody. And that's, that's not right. I tell people I'm a libertarian, not an anarchist when they're like, well, aren't you supposed to be against the government? And I'm like, I'm not an anarchist. I think mm. it has its time and its place. I don't think it should have its hands in anything, but if everything, but if there's something I'm authoritarian on, I would say that it's abortion because <laughs> yeah. it just isn't, it just doesn't sit well with me. It doesn't make sense. I love that because, and when it could bring it back to abortion, how could they not see that it is a separate life? We are all, mm. regardless, we're all dependent at almost every stage of our life to other people. Now, gr granted, as an adult, you can survive, but it'd be hard to survive by yourself in the woods, having to hunt by mm -hmm. yourself and do everything. So there is that yep. interconnection. And yet the most vulnerable who we're supposed to protect, the babies and the elderly, well, Canada is already promoting end-of-life yeah. suicide. Program. <laughs> yeah. Yes, elaborate yep. on the MAID program for people who may not know. Yeah, that's a pain in the butt. What does it stand for? Medically induced assisted suicide or something like that. Mm -hmm. And the story that everyone keeps bringing up is the Canadian veteran who said, hey, I need a wheelchair lift in my home. I can't get around. And they were like, well, we can't do that for like, what, another year. But if you want to die, we'll send you the injections. And it's like, what? We're <laughs> actually at this point. Mm -hmm. And then now it's just gotten so dark that you have teenagers who are applying for it because they're depressed or they're uncomfortable in their body or what you will just like oh i'm going through puberty and i'm depressed and i qualify so i want to end my life and that's just terrifying that we've hit that point yeah i saw a social media influencer with her grandmother mm -hmm. talking about yeah you saw that right talking about how yep. oh she's prepared to die and she's fine with it and i can't they believe they like went out to dinner or something like one last time yeah to celebrate not celebrate but to I don't know. I don't know what you want to call it. It's dark. Go ahead, Joey. Yep. I might butcher this a little bit, but it's Mother Teresa once said when she was talking about abortion, she said that if a mother, it were, oh, I'm going to butcher this quote, but it's something to the effect of if a mother can kill her own child, then nothing is off limits. And mm. what I see with this medical assistance and dying and some of these euthanasia conversations that are happening, it's actually not it does it seems to me like it's actually not like we've we actually are going back a step in a sense in yeah. the sense that we went to the most extreme thing abortion and now we're coming back and getting some less extreme things like don't get me wrong i'm very much against euthanasia but to what you were saying earlier about the babies can't even consent i think that it's even worse to kill these children mm. and to separate this bond to get mothers to go against their own child and so it's like we're moving up the chain in a sense. And so we just got to go back to yeah. the root. And I think the pro-life issue is where that is. Back to the, on the libertarian question. So I know, I think it was a few years ago I saw, and I thought think this was a good thing, the Libertarian Party removed the pro-abortion plank mm -hmm. from their platform. Since you're a little bit more in that space, how do you see them navigating this issue, the abortion issue? I think it's definitely a divider for them because... I've had some attack me and be like, well, you're not on our side because bodily autonomy and freedom. And then I've had others who are like, no, 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 we recognize the sanctity of life because that's an individual person with individual freedoms. And it's definitely a divider. 
I wouldn't say per se that the Mises Caucus is 100% pro-life, but they align with that personal freedom. And I think that they're negotiable. And I'd rather have somebody who's, I don't agree with the safe legal rare position because I'm still like, ah, no, there's no safe abortions and you guys are not trying to keep them rare anymore. That's not a thing anymore. But somebody who holds the Democrat position 10 years ago or the libertarian position on it 10 years ago, you can reason with versus somebody who's staunchly like the Democrat side is staunchly pro-abortion. So there's no reasoning with them. And even some of the Republican side is staunchly pro-abortion, I've started to find, which I find weird because that should stand against the tenets of that party as well. But I think it's definitely a divider. It can work if we can all come to an agreement, but finding that agreement is hard. Do you think the tide may be turning? Here lately, we've been seeing several abortion laws passed that are restricting mm. abortion more and more. Where do you think this goes? Or do you think we get better laws? Or do you think there might be a turning of the tide in a couple of years, like elections go back and forth? I'm hoping that we, it's sooner than this, but I just picture like 50 years from now, I'm hoping that we look at abortion like we look at slavery. And we're Amen. like, that is barbaric. Why is this happening? Why would you people think this is okay? Which is another reason that I wanted to be at this event is because I wanted to be able to like look at my grandkids and be like, I fought for this. I fought to end this thing. I was on the right side of history and it regardless of what the crazies say. Because people keep saying that the laws are restricting like, oh, a woman who's had a miscarriage isn't going to be able to access care. And that's BS. That's not true. Mm hmm. Once the baby's already passed, it's not an abortion. So I'm hoping that the laws that are protecting the lives and saving the lives continue to go forward. Like I said, I don't mind there being more, I hate saying authoritarian, but that's what people are going to think of it as. But I want to see laws that restrict it more. And I'm hoping we're going in that direction for sure. I think so too. And it's a good thing. So it's not a negative thing. Mm -hmm. and, in, and on the Gio yep. and Joey show, we always talk about freedom of religion. But this, these mm -hmm. type of laws fall in the sphere of where man and man can govern each other. They're not impinging yeah. on anybody's right to worship. However, you brought up a point earlier and I want to get into because I want people to hear it from a woman's perspective. Life is life, you said, or something to that effect. Mm. It should be protected. What about in the case of rape and incest? As a woman, what position do you hold there? Well, one, in incest is weird and rape is obviously horrible, but I don't think that a baby should be held accountable. I don't think anyone should be held accountable for the literal sins of the father where it's like, okay, this terrible thing happened to a woman, but why is the solution to it to punish the baby? So there was a guy who gave one of his testimonies and he talked about in the state of Maine, the death penalty has been outlawed since the 1870s because of a botched hanging. The witnesses watched this hanging, watched this man struggle, and they watched him die and they deemed the death penalty inhumane. And for some weird reason, when a woman is raped, we still have the death penalty in Maine, but it's not for the rapist. It's for the child who Mercy. had nothing to do with it, had nothing, they did nothing wrong. And if, like the death penalty is a whole other debate, but if someone's going to be punished for this, it should not be the innocent child who had no part in it. Even in those cases, I'm definitely, I'm 100% against abortion. And for the record, so am I, and I'm 
sure Joey is as well, because as you point out, life is life. It's precious. You never know. Mm. Even if the child from an earthly standpoint never turns out to be anybody special, just a regular person who lives their life, their life has yep. value to society and to God as well. Obviously, the most important issue is the life. If it's a life, mm. it's still a life no matter how it was conceived. But yep. also from a pragmatic issue, often abortion is a tool of abusers. In other words, a lot of yeah. times abusers will pressure a woman to go to a clinic to get it taken care of discreetly so that there's no evidence of his crime. Obviously, we want to protect the life. That's the first thing. Also, we don't want to protect the abuser, which abortion is right. a tool of the abuser. And not only is it protecting sometimes a crime, I think, sadly, it's even done for lesser just to protect the reputation. Because mm. unfortunately, you see, sadly, Christian men trying to hide it, Republicans yep. trying to hide it, politicians. And so they see it as a way to hide their sins. But the Bible tells us your sins will find you out. And none of this stuff eventually stays quiet. It'll come out. Mm. We just have to eliminate it. That being said, what have you discovered or know or can share with us about FBI targeting pro-life centers? I definitely have been seeing the stories about, was it, was it Catholic churches? They had FBI agents infiltrating Catholic church services because they consider them domestic terrorists, apparently. Or even in like the schools and things, if you're a parent and you're concerned, hey, I don't like what my kid's learning, you're now a domestic terrorist. And then I was just, <laughs> I... I posted a rant yesterday where I was quite literally yelling at Planned Parenthood because I just read the most awful graphic that they had on their Twitter about these dangerous pregnancy centers, crisis pregnancy centers, and how you can spot them and how you can combat them and fight them. And it's just the twistedness of it is insane. We have pro-life people getting beat up in the street for saying, hey, please don't kill this baby. They're getting arrested. There was a woman, I can't remember if it was Canada or America, but she literally was just praying on the Britain. side of Britain. The road. In Britain. Yeah. It was, and she and, got arrested for it. And not only that, she was praying in silence. Yeah. So she, she wasn't was, making a peep or anything. Yeah. And they asked her, What are you doing? She said, Praying in silence. And they arrested her for her. That's how mm. bloodthirsty that side tends to be. It blows my mind. So, what did. Planned Parenthood reply on the Twitter spat you were having with them? No, I ended up, so I don't, did I comment? I can't remember if I commented or if I just retweeted it with a caption, but I went into my own show. I read the whole thing and then I went on Planned Parenthood's site and I read like the, hmm. oh, here's the breakdown of it. And then I read an article about how the pro-life movement, this is from like October, the pro-life movement is contributing to the formula shortage and the diaper shortage because they're buying all the stuff and we don't know what they're doing with it but these crisis pregnancy centers are just buying all the diapers and women are suffering and i was just like huh what what do you think <laughs> they're doing with it because that was a point i made where they talk about pro-lifers or oh you're only pro-birth okay then why are they buying diapers you can't put a diaper on a baby in the womb who are you giving it to? The babies who are born, duel. Like, it's mm -hmm. just so mind-blowingly numb. I remember a couple of years ago, Allie, after, I think it was during the, pre during the Dem primary in 2020, mm. I think it was Elizabeth Warren was talking about okay. these dangerous 
pro-life pregnancy centers and mm-hmm. Allie yes. Beth Stuckey made a parody video where she was like yep. the horrors like she's like and she went in they're so horrible and terrible they're literally buying diapers and giving them away to free for free to mothers who can't afford them right they're helping mothers yep, for free I remember that vitamins <laughs> these dangerous terrible so pro-life pregnancy centers Bree, you mentioned your show. Tell the audience where they can find you and what's your show about? Yeah. What's the official name of your show? And how long have you been doing it? <laughs> the name is the most awkward thing because I'll literally start it and I'm like, hey, this is because I don't even have like a real name for it. Somebody <laughs> suggested don't tread on Brie and I like that, but I don't mm-hmm. know if I like it enough to use it. Mm-hmm. But right now it's Fear Me, It's Brie podcast on YouTube and I've started uploading to Rumble. And it kind of started from, I wanted to inform because I know a lot of people personally that I'll talk to and they're like, oh, I had no idea about that. I don't know what you're talking about because they won't listen to the more, like they won't listen to Daily Wire or they won't Mm -hmm. listen to Tim Pool or they won't listen to even Steven Crowder because they're like, oh, all of these conservative blah, blah, blah. They're crazy. But, oh, I know Brie. She has a show. Okay, I'll turn that on. So started as a way of reaching that. And then with the whole Elon Musk Twitter takeover happened, my little account that had like five bot followers, I deleted it and started over and was like, oh, I can actually make a connection with people through this. So it Mm kind of grew from that. And I've got like almost 30 episodes out now because this winter was just not fun with the flu and things. So I wasn't as consistent as I wanted to be, but I at least try and do two to four times a week for about an hour where... I just go off. I have, I rant (laughs) Mm -hmm. and we talk about from a Christian perspective for the most part, just Mm -hmm. the topics like Planned Parenthood and the chosen and all the fun stuff that's been cycling through the news. It's a little bit of like news. Sometimes I throw in some pop culture depends on what's, what's hot that week. And if I think it's worth talking about. Speaking of the chosen, I noticed that you saw the video that Dallas, Mm the 19-minute video, The Dallas, and you kind of resonated some with it. Mm. Elaborate on what you thought of his response to the LGBT pride flag issue that he had going on last week. Yeah, I thought what he said was good. There's things that I would have said differently where I think his hands are kind of tied behind his back because it looks like they're owned by Lionsgate and that's obviously it's not a Christian production company. They've, they've made things that are religious. They've also made things like hunger games and then they've made things that you probably shouldn't watch. So (laughs) I think he has, he definitely has his hands tied behind his back where he did make a point to say, I advise them not to post these things. I didn't necessarily, I wouldn't post it myself. I thought he made good points in the sense of explaining this is a production and these are third party people that I have no control over which I didn't necessarily take that into consideration because I saw it as more of a ministry because I've known people that have donated to them and I've known people that consider them a ministry. But when he talked about it, he was like, you can use us as a ministry, but we're a production and not necessarily a Christian production because that's how we have to run to get this out there to the masses. So I don't know if I were able to run that business, I'd hope that I would be able to find a loophole to not be like, oh, look, there's a pride flag. Crap. Now everyone's going to yell at us. Just because it's like, dude, oh, why did you let that into the video? Because mm-hmm. you know what the political climate's like, even if you have a third party person come in and work for you who might have a pride flag on their lapel, you're going to get in trouble for that. Even if you had nothing to do with it, which he claims that they didn't. 
And another thing my husband pointed out is these actors and these crew members come from unions. It's not just like you get one person mad and then they try and sue you. If he did anything wrong and walked off the line, he would have an entire union coming down on him. So I think he played it a little too safe in some ways. I would have liked to have hear him, heard him denounce it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But I think what he said, it made sense to me, even though yeah. I would like to have seen it different. I agree with you. I would have worded it a little bit more strongly. But overall, yeah. it isn't enough to boycott the show for me. Joey, one day you and I have to do a whole podcast episode on unions. I can't stand unions. <laughs> I am 100% against unions. My father, who immigrated to this country, it didn't join his union, and he ended up being the top huh. sample maker in his company. And people hated him for him, and he was never part of the union. Wow. So unions and me just don't fly. I can see the- how they were started with good intentions, but they what they've become as just a big, like Ali Bestucky talks about all the time with the teachers unions. Mm-hmm. They've just become a bully with a stick who's like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't like what you're doing. We're going to smack you until you listen. So, yeah. Yeah. It, to me, part of the issue is they lean towards subverting liberty of conscience. They want group mm-hmm. think and your yeah. opinion doesn't matter it's a group opinion and it doesn't take into account the individual joey you smile in there go ahead buddy and i think some of this especially the chosen stuff kind of ties in with abortion as well because it's like mm. sometimes conservatives don't know how to take a win even because yeah. we want and clavin talk I, of course i'm going to quote clavin <laughs> but clavin <laughs> talks about this where like conservatives often like they're purists they want mm. they either want a complete win or nothing but like that's not how you like you got to play chess not checkers i have some theological issues with certain things i've seen in the chosen but Mm -hmm. if i can use it as a jumping off point to start a discussion about christ then yeah i think that's a good thing for the culture Mm -hmm. and so i would say the same thing with like what we were talking about earlier with abortion laws yet like some people would say well i'm not going to support any law if it doesn't go all the way and abolish abortion. I'm like, but really, if you could save 500,000 babies with this law, then why would you not do it? As opposed to saving none. You got to move the ball forward. And so I just think- It's that planting the seeds and watering them. Yeah. Conservatives got to stop being such all or nothing, but take pragmatic wins. To throw some small bouquet to the other side, is that I think for a long time they've been playing the long game while Republicans Mm -hmm. have been playing or the conservative side have been playing the game right in front of them. But these people have been planning for this. Now, luckily, on the abortion side, on the Roe v. Wade, we pressed that. And it took, what, 50 years to get it overturned? Mm. And so that's good. And we have to. And I like, Brie, how you mentioned earlier, you were looking 50 years down the road where these laws may go. And you're hoping their national abortion law completely abolished, that we look back at it as repugnant as slavery was. But you can't get 50 years from now unless you fight the small battles now and win the small battles now. Let me switch topics here a little bit and get a little personal. So what does Brie do for fun? I know you're a mother (laughs) with two little kids, but there's got to be some Brie alone time outside of the podcast. What do you like to do? Let's see. I like to read. 
Okay. I like to watch documentaries. I'm not like a typical woman true crime junkie, but I like mm. the weird. I like weird stuff. <laughs> uh, we have a game night like every Friday that we do with friends, and I do this this kind of thing usually my kids mm -hmm. nap time okay i like to read and look at articles and write so that's it's a lot of stuff okay it's boring to other people but for me i'm like yeah i can sit down with a book about economics let's read some milton friedman <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like you're a weirdo <laughs> so you have yeah. a Substack as well right yeah Did i haven't been able to post as much there recently but when I come up with words, I put them there. <laughs> Could you let our audience know where they can find that? I believe it's Fear Me It's Brie on Substack. They just did a thing where they allowed you to change your URL because it was something I'd, it was a name that I had like way back at the beginning when I was figuring things out. And it doesn't relate at all to like any of the stuff that I post anymore. So finally they let me change it. So I want to say it's, if you just look up Fear Me It's Brie on Substack, you should be able to find it. And what do you so, typically write about on the Substack? Is it the same kind of as your it's similar. podcast? Mm -hmm. It's some opinion. It's more, it's like opinion pieces where I wrote one about how abortion, the 14th Amendment does not protect abortion because people love to use that for some reason on it. And I did one about trans kids and John mm -hmm. Money and Alfred Kinsey. So mm, kind of like mm -hmm. research opinion stuff. Good, good, good. Yeah. And look, sometimes fun stuff. So. Yeah, we're, we're in the same alley. Eh? You know, good night for me is stay home with the kids in bed mm. already in sleep and I can read something stimulating and then just yeah. think of apologetics in the sense of just real life. Because I love to defend the mm. truth without having to appeal to scripture. Because some people yeah. don't look at scripture as authoritative. And so I like to think through those arguments. That's one thing that my dad had said to me about the hearing with the abortion, all the testimonies against the abortion thing is he was saying that it's good that we had pastors there and it's good that we had Christians there being like, well, the Bible says this and this is why it's wrong. But he was like, you also have to play the game of not everyone, not all these legislators are Christians, not everyone's sitting there. So you also have to bring in facts and logic, which is what I tried doing with mm -hmm. mine like i quoted the guttmacher institute and planned parenthood and you have to remember that not everyone's going to hold the same worldview as you so you have to come alongside with the facts and logic that they're going to accept alongside your biblical worldview mm -hmm. no doubt because something has to be a wedge to get them in to then bring them into a deeper conversation i want to ask you two yep. more questions before we wrap up how would you like to see the local church play a role in this fight for pro-life because oftentimes many churches are like well they see it as a mm -hmm. mixing of church and state but i don't see it that way but how would you like to see a, your local church play a role definitely supporting pregnancy centers so ours is really good about that they're always promoting our local one the events that it has and even if a church doesn't want to be super involved in politics i've always seen abortion as a moral issue a political issue it's it's a biblical issue versus mm -hmm. just what party you're affiliated with. So definitely I would say stepping up, donating, helping pregnancy centers, helping promote them, having maybe some kind of counseling. Like I know that like there's grief share ministries or there's you've lost a loved one, you can go to this counseling, maybe have one for, and maybe it could be anonymous, have something for women who have gone through abortion or just pregnant women who are just starting out that don't quite know, especially single ones. Because that's the target demographic. It's not necessarily me who's happily married 
has two kids, I'd be fine and happy if I had a third. It's mm-hmm. the ones that are living on their own, the ones that are scared, the ones that don't know what's going on or what they're doing. That's the target because those are the most vulnerable. And like helping single mothers, I think, is a big, big part of it as well. No, that's good. In my church right now, we're specifically helping a single mother who had a a child born prematurely. And we Hmm. have to rally around her because these times aren't easy, especially with the fact that as a single mother, they have to work and take care of the child. And so we need to rally. So those are good words. Yeah, I was just going to say, I loved your answer, Brie. But I think so kind of there's this whole debate around Christian nationalism. And I Mm. think largely as a political project, it's, I don't like it. I think it's trying to use the power of the state to enforce Christianity. And I'm not for that. Mm. Neither am I. What I think, where the church can really be subversive and good is on the local level. I like this kind of movement of Christian localism over Christian nationalism. Do what you can do in your local community where you can make a difference in people's lives, not worrying about, oh, how do we take controls of the levels of national power for ourselves? That just doesn't appeal. That doesn't feel like the way of Christ to me. But like, that's something our church has done. Help people. Where they try and, like, we used to do like a big VBS and things like that for kids. But the church started to realize that yeah, coming to this church for a week, you don't really get to help the parents. You don't really get to see the parents. You see the kids. So what they started doing instead is a big day in the park where they invite the whole family. And it's just this huge event. Since COVID, it's been kind of funky because, you know, you weren't allowed to do anything. But what the goal of it was to take the families and to integrate into the families and like to do more community service projects to show like, hey, the church does care. The church is out there. And we're not just a bunch of Christians in our little hidey hole and (laughs) judging everyone. We're out there and we're helping the community. And then people will say, oh, who are you guys? What the heck? Why are you just cleaning up? Oh, we're from this church and this is where we go. And this is why we're here as we see it as a mission. So like, that's definitely huge what you were just saying. From the depths of your womanhood, if you had... Mm -hmm a woman in front of you who is considering an abortion, how would you appeal to her, woman to woman, not to go through this and to give that child a chance to life? Having had kids myself and having been pregnant, I would probably appeal in the sense of like, listen, who knows what your circumstances are, but I've been through this. I know what it's like and I know what it's like on the other end. And there, I would probably refer her to resources and be like, I know that you can go to Planned Parenthood. And I know that you can just end it. And I know that you can get out of this mess. Let's just assume that it wasn't planned or ideal. Mm. But you can also go here and you will have this network of people who will help you, who will provide things for you. You don't have to go through it alone. Because I've talked about how I've had people come at me and be like, well, it's not loving to tell a woman she's murdering her child. And it's like, well, no, it's not loving to look at someone and say, you murderer, what do you think you're doing? But there's ways of pointing out sin. And there's ways, I think, of coming alongside someone I've always said that if I was on a path to hell, I would want somebody to lovingly let me know and not damn me to hell forever. Mm -hmm. Because once you're there, it's like Lazarus and the rich man. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you do something? Would you rather have an uncomfortable conversation with somebody for five minutes or an hour? Or would you rather go about your day knowing that you could have done something and you could have helped them and then you just never did? And not like it's your fault because humans are humans they're going to make their own decisions 
But if you could have planted those seeds, why didn't you? Is a huge thing for me. That's awesome because the loving thing to do. I remember, I forgot it was an atheist who said something to the effect, what hatred must Christians have to believe there is a heaven and a hell and not tell Mm. anybody about it? Yeah, honestly. If you really believe there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, then we have to tell people. And I thank you for sharing with us today. Tell the people again where they can find you, like your Twitter handle and about your show. Yeah, I try and have everything under the same name. So fear me, it's Brie on, gosh, what are they? Twitter, YouTube, (laughs) I think on Rumble. Rumble's weird. I'm still working on that one. Instagram. Instagram's more fun. I post like happier things there with occasional not so happy things. Twitter is where it's a little more fiery and Twitter, you know what Twitter's like. Uh, And then YouTube and Rumble, you can watch. Usually it's at 6 p.m. when it does post and it goes for usually about an hour. Various topics again, like news, pop culture, whatever is floating the boat of the week, two to four times a week, depending on my kids. So that's Mm. the thing. Being a mom comes first, so it's Amen. If I can't record, I can't record. So <laughs> I'm gonna look you up on Instagram. I'm on Instagram as well, Geo Marin. Cool. And so <laughs> I post mainly fitness stuff there, but anyway, we can interact. Joey, what's nice. your final word before we sign off? First of all, thank you for coming on, Bree. The thing I'd leave the audience with, I really liked our message to anyone who's gone through an abortion. Remember, there's the gospel, there's the cross. You don't have to be defined by your worst moment. And so I just want to leave people Mm. on that word of hope. Thank you very much, Bree, for being on. (laughs) And hopefully we can do it again as topics that broach women. Because I know some people will be like, why are you guys talking about women? You're two men. But men can have an opinion, but it's always great to hear from a woman. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. No problem.